Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to uh, our final installation of our Slasher season uh, from Nightmare Cinema. Um, today, I am joined by John and Sean once again. Say hello. 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 Um, and we are doing, upon this very date of Friday the 13th, Shock Horror, Friday the 13th. Um, I suppose you could call it part one, or, I mean, I wouldn't. i just call it Friday the 13th. I wouldn't even add the yeah, 1980 I... after it. I think it should yeah. just be called, yeah, Friday the 13th. Um, a movie uh, film, sorry, sorry, movie uh, directed uh, by Sean Cunningham um, yes. and written by Victor Miller, starring a very young Kevin Bacon, much in the same way that uh, sort of Nightmare starred a very young uh, Johnny Depp. Um, the um, the visual effects as well done by uh, Tom Savini, who um, did uh, Dawn of the Dead as well. I think that's why mm. the, uh, they brought him over uh, the film title just a few years uh, before this. Um, the film is set um, in, in two different stages briefly in 1958 and then um, it jumps to present day, which I'm assuming is 1980 Yeah. Um, when, it, when it was released. Um, so uh, the film was released two years uh, after Halloween, which we've done recently, um, which to which it owes a lot of its getting off the ground in the first place, a lot of its success. Um, uh, and, and it's part of a sort of unholy trinity of slasher films, uh, which first come to my mind when we talk about these films, which is uh, obviously this, Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Halloween. Um, we've seen suburbia used a lot of the time in films, uh, horror films, slasher films, something that's been recreated um, time and time again since... Um, different copies uh, and this one actually transports us to a, a camp setting uh, which has also since been replicated many times uh, i remember growing up watching episodes of goosebumps um <laughs> and then recently there's that thing on netflix which i just refuse to watch more than the first half of the first one uh, fear street um just as much as we see suburbia um again, in the likes of Goosebumps when I was a kid, and in that new Netflix thing, Fear Street, which, once again, I haven't finished watching and never will. Um, so, so, it's just that. I, we'll get into that later. Um, so, I watched it for the first time a while ago, and I've seen it a few subsequent times. Then I went through a series of watching all of the sequels, uh, which they steadily got worse, but... Um, the, there's a pattern emerges with sort of horror films, not just slasher films to that extent. Um, and then having watched it again recently yesterday, I want to hear your thoughts about it first before I divulge into what may be uh, a, another possible shank into the side of, of horror oh God. slasher cinematographic history, um, much like I gave... Um, to uh, Switchblade Romance last time. My nerves, my nerves are gone. It might, it might shock. Go on. This is one. Oh, go on. Uh, I'm going. This actually isn't bad. This, because I used to think it was. A bit of a joke, and I will explain why in a minute because I do know the know why rather than unlike Blair Witch, where I just had a nervous breakdown. Um, I quite enjoyed it. I I thought it was um, it was everything a kind of low budget horror film should be, and obviously it is. 
And the reason why I actually had a problem with it was because of what it gave birth to. The legend that it gave birth to, although it's very, very cool in some ways, it doesn't really support that film. Do you know what I mean? Because the thing that everyone knows this film yeah. for isn't even in it. Exactly. Which, which is... Well. Yeah, lore, lore is over there and the film is there. But as a film, I, I really enjoyed it. And I didn't actually, I was going to try and find out who did the um, the effects because I knew I knew, but I forgot. And it, I remember you've just said then it's Tom Savini, which doesn't surprise me. And I thought to myself, that explains that because they were all dead good for 1980. Mm. It was excellent. Um, and as I was watching it, I remembered a quote. I believe it was from Mark Kermode who said, if you're a filmmaker starting out, you start off with a low-budget slasher. And I think this is why, because this is a low-budget slasher, which has stood more than stood the test of time and given birth to a, a, a legend, a, a legacy. The, bu- the budget was uh, 550K. Mm, um, yeah. And I think a box office took about 60 million. I've, I've seen different yeah. sort of figures, but 40 between to 60, 40 and 60, yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems to be where John does that sort of budget statistic, bring more of a smile to your face and less of a mystery than. Thank God. A lot. With what was probably his first big mainstream film. That's how you do it. You don't spend 14 million on marketing. But anyway, let's not do that. It's like a therapy session, this for me sometimes. Um, but yeah, I um I once I kind of got the the Jason thing out of my head, um I thought it on it on it on its own, I thought it was great. I really did. 1980 should be proud of it. Next year before they should we, be proud of something else. Like before we, we get um onto the whole the, J- the Jason paradox, uh, Friday the 13th, um, sort of regarding this film. Sean, what did you, what do you overall insight into this film? Do you like it? What does it mean to you? Here we go. Absolutely love this. Love this film. Growing up, one of my favourites. The whole Friday the 13th franchise was because the, I mean, they are horror films and you do see boobs, although probably I don't think you do in this film, actually. Yeah, you do. Bacon's. Yeah, you see Kevin Bacon's a lot. Um, there's a lot of Kevin Bacon that you see in this film, which is okay with me, um, except there's budgie smugglers, which I don't like. However, as a film, um, I mean, Sean S. Cunningham made a phone call and said, Halloween's doing really well, let's rip it off. And that yeah. gave birth to Friday the 13th. Like, that is an act- that's actually what happened. And I just think that that is the most <laughs> amazing thing and the most keeping it real thing I have ever heard in my life like it was just about money and um he'd you know he'd worked with Wes Craven on the last the last house in the left what just amazing just amazing I think he's like horror royalty Mr Cunningham anyway the film itself absolutely love I love Mrs Voorhees she is one of the best horror villains out there um she is crazy and she knows it and she actually is not asked that she that she's crazy. I think it's fantastic. I mean, the acting obviously it's nineteen eighties acting with with people that you're not really paying very much money, so you're not going to yeah, get low budget. So you got to yeah, say you're not going to get you know great performances. But people like 
uh, Betty Palmer, who, pay, who played Pamela Voorhees, she, she's like a television and stage actor. So she was, in fact, after making this film, a newspaper printed her home address and was like, write to her and give her loads of abuse because she had this wholesome image, a little bit like Doris Day. And then she made this film and everybody turned against her. Anyway, love the film. My God. I think, I think she, um, originally she lashed the script, didn't she? And then she needed to pay for something she did not pay for a car yeah. or something Sounds and then like she did it. and it's obviously it's it's what she's sort of become most known for i'm just going to pick up on her because um she seems to be like the antithesis of what jamie lee curtis is to you um because i've read stuff about um she does or she died in 2015 but before i think she did the the whatever anniversary of it um and she did uh, comic cons and such, yeah. um, and she would sort of actually pose for like mother son photos with people in hockey masks, which is like sort of really buying in um, and affirming sort of people's love who are sort of obsessed with these films, um, which uh, which which I quite like. Like she didn't think it was uh, beneath her or anything like that. Um, the film, I like the film. Well, Let's just get off on the right foot. I like the film. I think it's it's a good film, which is sort of kind of weird because I don't often like things that are a product of trend. If you get me, it's like, like you alluded, well, you said before, it was made because of the phone call. And they even said, uh, I think Sean Cunningham and um, Victor Miller, said you know we wanted to do something because halloween was was Mm. successful um and the things that i I picked up on during this watching of the film now having done so many horror films here um and uh a few of them just jumped out it feels like to me this is like a sort of amalgamation and i obviously wasn't intended like this unless you intended it like this uh to give us these films in this order sean um because we're doing this one last, it just sort of it, it highlights the, the the agglomeration of what these guys did when they made this film, where they just sort of picked cherry picked bits from other films, and yet still how managed to make something original. I think for me, the the major setting change um, to the camp is what sort of sets it apart um, and makes it feel a lot more isolated. Seems a lot with these things when they happen in suburbia. There's for some somehow there's absolutely no reason that no one comes to help them despite living in very busy streets um, and there's kids running around screaming all the time. Um, they took the sort of the POV aspect um, when you see through the eyes of Mrs. Voorhees, spoiler alert, um, it's supposed to say spoiler alert first, aren't you? Um, from <laughs> Halloween and, and then in the Halloween episode, we alluded to them taking that from Black Christmas. The, the soundtrack uh, emulation um, is actually, I, I read and, before I watch, then you can see in it, it's sort of taken from, from Jaws almost. It's like you don't really see the killer and then you get the, the classic mm-hmm. um, noises and such. Um, and even the sort of the, the, the very basic, basic organy uh, sort of sounds, synth sounds that you get in Jaws when the shark is near. Um, so not so much of an actual soundtrack like Halloween has, but it has those those uh, moments very much like Jaws. Um, the, um, 
the place where it was actually at the set Camp Crystal Lake, which is a real camp, not called that. Um, but um, I think when they were writing it, they they looked at some fame, uh, some films that had done well that summer. One of them um, was one called Meatballs, which I've never heard of. Well, it was actually set at a, a summer oh, yeah. camp, so that's why they chose to set it there. I think they um, they liked the way that they wanted to do a horror film based off Halloween and then put it in a setting so they can involve sort of younger teenagers. Um, and that, that was sort of their little setting recipe for success. Mm. Um, I've also got uh, the, the, um, the mum as well. Um, it's sort of, to me, reminds me, it's like a little bit of inversion from Psycho. It's almost as Definitely. if, it's almost as if Mrs. Voorhees at the end, when she grabs the knife and, and goes um, and goes for our final girl, um, it it does really feel like it's it's that moment, you know, when um, when Norman Bates is at the door and he's got his wig on and his mm-hmm. his jumper and stuff and and grabs the knife. It feels like they're almost like the same moment. And in that bit, I noticed that the soundtrack, if you take that sample of the soundtrack, it's almost identical to Psycho. It's just missing those few notes. Like when 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 she goes uh, for her in the end and she actually grabs the knife, it sounds very, very uh, akin to um to Psycho. Um and also obviously that they've also alluded to the end, um, the jump scare at the end. Um being very much a, a rip-up of, of Carrie, which then yeah. came out a few years before. Um, so, yeah, I still like it, but it does feel a bit to me like um, a slasher movie or a horror movie designed by committee. It feels like a best-of album, which is still very good and still somehow feels original. And yet, watch it again through these sort of reviewing eyes and, and trying to find things that I haven't found before and sort of get to the, get to the mechanics under the, the finished product. That's sort of what jumped out to me mm. a lot this time. It does feel like a, a sort of a best of. I think you're absolutely right. And I think, it, yeah, you're right, but it doesn't harm the film, I don't think. I think all of those things that you've said about, especially Psycho, absolutely like it borrows from psycho so much like it's like so many of these films do um but I, for me it doesn't harm the film at all i think some of those things now as an adult looking back it's like a comfort thing you kind of know i know it's mm. a weird thing to say about a slasher film but um you kind of know you, you know the tropes you know what's coming but as a kid it's completely different you don't you don't have those expectations because you're not educated enough and the you know when you, you first watch this as a kid well back in the 80s and 90s we were allowed to watch these things as kids it's like it's really shocking and really frightening because yeah. you don't know what to expect like you don't know what that music means that you don't know that that means the killer is there or is about to be there you don't get it have to do rather than make like a carbon copy which this does not do 
it it, it does it, it takes these things and it goes we love you psycho look what we're doing with this uh, and then it does its own thing with it and i and i like that that's what like musicians do um they take like bits of inspiration from different bands and put it in and sometimes i've had this with your band johnny when uh seas of neptune available on itunes you're welcome mate. <laughs> um and um like you can you can hear different bands in that in, in what you're doing but it stands on its own two feet and i think that's what this does brilliantly brilliantly say, um, better they- than i ever gave it credit for they do say that good artists borrow, but great artists steal. Um, <laughs> I mean, just look at Led Zeppelin. Um, they pretty much just stole everything. Yeah, they, that's the um, exception to the rule, that one. One, one of the, um, the other themes I sort of picked up on, um, and it was sort of more it, it, less subtle in this than it was in Halloween, was the sort of teenage sex theme. On Halloween, um, I think they um, they batted back a lot of criticism or or uh, people's questions about you know is it a film about morality and you know uh, underage or teenage sex and people getting their just desserts uh, because of that. Now in this film, it it seems like a a, a main driver. Um, it, it just seems. I mean, it's it's at the start and then at the end where she says, um, well, you know, they were having sex the counselors were having sex so that's why um jason died and then mr Voorhees uh obviously states that in the end mm. um and then she sort of starts getting her reality mixed up um as her motivations come through for doing what she she's doing um i just wondered what, what you thought about it because it, it seems like a lot more clear here and it seems like it's almost like a, a message sort of carelessness sex behavior leads to that but obviously again um it's it's been it's something that was battered away by the the writers i think it definitely seems like a morality message but i just don't think it is friday the mm. 13th has always been about boobs pot and dead people and i don't think i think it's just like let's just get a bunch of kids naked because it'll get a bunch of kids aroused at the cinema let's just do it and let's make some money. I think that's the extent of what that was thought of. And I do think a lot of people probably try to read into that with this film a little bit more than they should or need to. Um, I think it is just about what is going to get teenage lads horny and it'll be boobs. So let's just... sex boobs and more blood and people getting off one at a time and a, a slow kind of gradual build up to a pretty heavy climax and that is what this film is and they know exactly what they're doing with it i i mean i i try and take away the fact that it is done <laughs> the whole the whole reason that this film exists is to make money off the back of halloween mm. but I, good, <laughs> good, and well done for kind of coming forward and saying, yeah, we just wanted some money on our pockets. Good. Um, honesty is a very rare thing in filmmaking these days, and to admit that is very, very bold. I mean, just like the film. <laughs> what 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 do you think as well? Not just the, the sex, but 
the go because I've heard a few things saying that it, there was a lot of backlash. Obviously, it was the 80s um, for it being too gory. Now, I think by today's standards and certainly by uh, Switchblade Romance standards, <laughs> um, it sort of doesn't touch the sides. But um, I've heard the, the their sort of um, taken on board of that is why there's a lot less gore in the um, in the, the sequel, the uh, the second one or part two rather. I didn't I didn't think it was it was that bad, and I suppose you've got to take yourself back to that time and understand the um, what what yeah. cinema was like back back then. But I think I think maybe after um, Halloween and and Nightmare on Elm Street, um, then surely the, that was the sort of precedent had already been set. This was um, before Nightmare on Elm was, Street. Was it? Oh, I'm thinking of um, what's the? Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, the one. The other one he helped them on. Because they worked together, didn't they? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't. I'm not convinced. The last house on the left is actually gory in the way that Friday the Thirteenth is gory. I think it's it's more psychologically what they do. It's because I think there was mm. one where they make a scene where they make one of the girls in Last House on the Left urinate on one of her mates. And I think that was like, what are you doing? Like, mm. cut, 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 cut. Um, so I don't think, I think if you look at Halloween, it is not a gory film. It's all like slow and like, you know, we made, I think we touched on it. Like he pretty much made us with his hands. There's no like blood splatter. There's, you don't really see blood that much anyway in Halloween, the, the original. But I think what they wanted to do here was really amp that up. And um mm. and and show and show that and why not and I'm not normally a fan of gory stuff but this to me isn't that gory compared to especially some of the sequels where it's like blood splatter and it's it's like ridiculous stuff I don't I don't think this film is that I think it is just this person's got an axe in the head and this is what it looks like to have an axe in your head to me mm. that that's that's just my opinion. I think one of the most gone. Ned side side of me is going, that's really well done. But my film loving fan side of me is going, fucking hell, that's horrible. <laughs> like you, like it's it's like we were talking about in Candyman. Remember in Candyman when we were talking about you don't necessarily need to see what they're doing. The after effect, the aftermath is dead good with that. Mm. Like when he walks into the bathroom and it's just covered in blood. When she um closes the door and that guy's got all the arrows in him with his throat cut, you just think something really horrible has happened to him. <laughs> really horrible. And it's so well done. And I... I... I have to apologise to it because because of what came after it. I kind of jibbed it off, but it is fantastically well done. What was um, did anyone have a favourite favourite killing? The guy with the arrow through his neck, through his Kevin throat. Bacon. Yeah. Oh, I don't want it to be Kevin Bacon. He gets enough credit off me. Or Jack. Jack, I think his name is. I think. That, yeah. I think that's a. I, I like the axe. Um. What What is her name? Um. Oh my, Marcy. Um, I like her death scene because it's like a proper scene. It's not like, mm. oh, he's lying in bed and he gets an arrow through his throat. It's like you really focus on your character for a little bit. And I love that that part where she's in the mirror. And I think it's an Audrey Hepburn film that she's quoting. I, I can't. That's, yeah, no, uh, yeah, she is. And uh, is, 
that's annoying me now. Yeah. I can't I can't remember what it is. It's, um, um, it's I love that entire scene. I I just love it. I think she's. Do you know for, for what we've just said about you wouldn't get really good actors at, at you know with with that salary and stuff. I think she's actually really really good in this film. To be honest with you, that the actor who plays Marcy. Well, I think my favorite killing has got to be the uh, Mrs. Voorhees. I think it's like shocking. It's really, really shocking. Um, obviously, that because they just had like a couple of what looks like WWF fights beforehand, where they're sort of flinging each other around the kitchen. It all looks a bit. <laughs> uh, it all looks like a bit it, just silly, you know. Which will come on to something again in a minute. So I don't want to ask you about. And then like she's just like lops her head straight off in one in one yeah. hit and then her, her hands are like clutching around for her head love it's it. mental absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just i for all the the, the gore and stuff and the violence we'd, we'd we'd seen i didn't really expect to see anything like this i think they are um, tom i think they're tom's hands tom's tom tom savini tom savini's hands um that wasn't betty palmer doing that effective you notice his hands are hairy i think it's him <laughs> I think, I think have you seen well, this before sean no, well, I I to, one I thing i wanted to ask is while i was about to keep the sort of ambiguity and to keep the the twist um work until the end i slowed down some frames whilst watching it especially the especially the bit where um uh the first girl and i always get mixed up between annie and the final girl because the names are similar alice, alice. and annie and it annoys and it get mixed up between them. Um, so when Annie dies, um, and you see you see the hands. Now, I think there's a chance that they might be, and it might be Tom Sweeney. I I don't think they're Betsy Palmer's hands. Probably. So not. I think in in order to keep their sort of the mystery, if you like, and and people obviously thinking at that time it was going to be a bloke, because um, at that time it, it was always a bloke who's the killer. Um, in order for the the payoff at the end. Um, so I think, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, I think they must have used a, a bloke's hands. Maybe. Well, then you you freeze frame on them, and you can't quite tell. Mm. I also noticed they used like um like a plaid shirt as well, like drawn to the cuffs. Um, I think to make it look like it's a bloke, like more masculine. Mm. And obviously, you have someone driving a jeep, which you would think back in those times it's it's not a car that a woman would really drive um and you think it was some sort of uh working guy like a laborer or something she is quite masculine anyway i think mrs Voorhees. but it's interesting that you mentioned annie because i think that's another nod to psycho um because we start with her character don't we um yeah in, in crystal lake like the little town yeah and it's sort of like you're gonna this is the girl you're gonna follow she's dead sweet and then it's like oh she's dead and that's probably another nod to to Psycho, maybe. Yeah, no, I, I was I was actually um, thinking about that, um, but then I didn't draw the connection with with Psycho for some reason. I just kept on thinking back to Scream, where Drew Barrymore dies um, immediately, and I don't know why I didn't sort of go back and think of um, think of Psycho. Another thing I noticed was um, as well. It's it, it, it's it's not really like an Easter egg or anything. It's like, but it, and when she's got a blue jumper on at the end, Mrs. Voorhees, you can see the um the orange plaid shirt on her um on the neckline poking through. Um, oh. so I suppose if you were very eagle-eyed um and hadn't seen a hundred times before, um, 
you, you could go back and you could make that connection. To be honest, I've um, never noticed that before. <laughs> even 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 though like five, be. even though like five seconds later, it it all becomes clear. Um, that the the main part of this really, I wanted to speak about. I've written it down first, um, and I've I read some forums about it as a, a conclusion and a, a twist. Um, does it? Does it work? Does it take away from the film or does it does it add to the film? Do you think it was shocking? Make you take a step back and go, oh right, okay, I get it now. Rather than it just being some lunatic with a big knife. Well, it still was, I suppose. But I sort of know. wish that I'd not seen this film until I'd grown up and could just like... about to say that you oh sorry, Dad. So I could actually process it properly because I feel like because I know it from being a kid, I don't think mm. I've got that shock that actually this is someone's mum who's doing this to me. Yeah. It would have just been it's just a killer. So I can't, I can't, I can't answer. I feel like I can't answer that question. Where? <laughs> well I'm out of here or this is the best thing ever mm. but you would have been thinking about it for a year afterwards and you so in 1984 you would have still been going I can't believe that was his mum it, it's it's a kind of piece of cinema history I wish I was actually there for mm. I mean I, I, I was but I wasn't I was only like yeah. three which makes a change because usually I'm about 50 when all these come out but I I, I, I remember it having a big fanfare and because I have an older brother who had all these films. And I remember my mum shouting at him for most of the films he had. And I remember her throwing this one out. This one had no chance. So instantly I just went, I have to see that. I have to see that right now. Um, I didn't think much of it at the time, to be honest. Um, but now, as I said, now I'm we're film aware. Imagine, imagine how good that would have been. Mm. Imagine the feeling. That's that's what that's why I love this stuff. This is mum. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. It's, it's, it would have been... Again, it's like an inversion of the, the whole the whole psycho thing. Mm-hmm. And I think Betsy uh, Palmer is sort of like um, Norman Bates's imagination of his mother sort of come to life. Yeah. If it, 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 they do seem sort of quite connected. That, yeah, uh, it's, it's completely films. the other way around, isn't it? Because she's speaking yeah. for and to his son. It's completely, yeah. it's completely the other way around. It's fantastic. We're probably going to talk about it later, but it's overshadowed by Jay, who's a cracking villain, don't get me wrong, in his own right. But this film has a fight club like twist in it, which I, 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 it should have changed the world. Psycho, it had, it had a switchblade romance club. style twist in it. Is what you meant Switch, to say. Switchblade Romance Style didn't twist. exactly do it the way that this did it. Like Switchblade Romance just went, yeah, I'll do. Cover it in blood, sound. I still love it though. But this, this is universally brilliant to me. And the fact that we talk about Jason more than this, and I have a feeling you're going to come onto it later. Like I said, more than this, this ending is a bit leaves a small sour taste in the mouth. But obviously, you've got to talk about Jason because he is legendary now 
Um, but the funny thing is, I remember she um, when the sort of the slow, well, not very slow, but it's a slow burn, but it's a very, very short fuse when they go, oh, yeah, so this must be the woman because she started talking to off in the distance. and She's obviously a nutter. Um, there's, a bit, there's a bit where um, she says his name was Jason and then pause. And then I was waiting for her to say he was a showgirl. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, <laughs> and that sort of took the momentum away from me trying to uh, understand the deeper mechanics for this film. Um, I, I, I did think it worked on <laughs> on all. Um, go back and watch it now. It's um, I never watch it again. Now it's done. <laughs> one thing that does sort of Hell take I, it doesn't really matter because I know what you're going to say to it, and I but I did sort of have a look and type the same question to Google and on these horror forums and stuff. Um, and it is something that came up a few times. There was like arguments on either side. It's like, do we believe that Mrs. Voorhees could do those killings in that manner um, with the strength that it might have taken? I don't know what you're going to say. She's imbued with the, the absolute need for revenge and a psychotic single-mindedness. Um, but I mean, because like John said before, so she like kills someone, then lifts lifts him up, and then staples him to a wall with arrows, um, and then she like holds down Kevin Bacon's Jack's head and uh, puts an arrow through a double mattress and his neck. Um, overpowers, I think, um, in 1958. Obviously, she would have been 20 years younger. But over overpowers. Um, a couple of well, one counselor. I know she's got the act of sort of the uh, what do you call it, the um, surprise factor on her side. But and I don't in, know. in in the fifties, they know her. Don't forget, because she 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 would have worked there at the time. Was she the cook? I think. Well, so, that that's so a funny parallel. So it's um a funny parallel that that you know when you mentioned that Annie dies first, um, and she was going to go there to work in the kitchen. You know, I don't know whether to be a cook or, or or whatever, but I thought maybe that's something that they could have mm. saved for Alice because then um, there would have been um, that parallel. And also, and also maybe, I mean, the beheading was cool, but if she would have drowned her, I thought that would have been quite fitting as well. Although not as not not as good not as good looking um, as sort <laughs> of chicken beheading sort of thing visually, and, and not as shocking. No. Um, but yeah, so do we believe in Mrs. Voorhees as someone that can go around halving people a third of her age um, yeah. without mercy? Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to say that. I, I definitely think so, yeah. I, yeah. Do you, know, do you know what it made me think of, right? And this is a bit of a slightly askew comparison. It reminded me of Ellen Bernstein and The Exorcist because... It's, I mean, it's it's coming from a different angle for me because I wrote an essay on it in college about the strength of um, a, a mother and what she'd do for a child, basically. And it was basically Ellen Bernstein would have done anything. She would have torn people in two for that kid. And I think that's flipped on its head for Mrs. V. Like, and I think she's one, one, one protects her and the other one wants to, to destroy teenagers lives and kevin bacon 
He was he probably wasn't. about 30 when he made this. No, he must have been a teenager. Mm-hmm. When was this made? 80? I think he's always looked a bit old. That was, <laughs> what's that, 50 years ago? No, 40? 40, 40, Christ, sorry. Shh. Is it no. I was like, oh my God, am I 45? <laughs> Christ. Look it. Yeah, that, 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 there's, that, uh, that's what made it brilliant to me because it was like, I don't know if I'd share this viewpoint if I hadn't written that essay. So thank you, Birkenhead Six Form College. It wasn't Birkenhead Six Form College. It was Wirral Met. But um, yeah, I I had the com- the comparison already there in my head. So I had that answered before you even asked it. Cool. So we we think that works as Definitely. a yeah device. It doesn't spoil it by thinking. Well, hang on a minute. How could you? No. How could you've killed all of these people in all the Not years I've watched this film? That has never entered my head. No, me neither. <laughs> you know what? Um, I actually googled as soon as I saw it again. Um, this came out in the same year as Cannibal Holocaust, mm-hmm. um, which, along with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, have a a need to mention every single week. Um, <laughs> and it, it, 1980 was a big year for on-screen animal cruelty. Um, don't I know because they I and I I looked it up, um, thinking that oh, that must be uh Tom Savini's special effects again. Um, it's not, they um, they they chopped the snake, yeah, you can tell by the way it moves. Well, I thought it was just really, really good special effects, um, but no, it was a really, really sad snake, yeah, evil. Very evil. Yeah. So I just thought I'd just impart that knowledge onto you. I mean, I don't like snakes, but I wouldn't have killed one. No, I would have if it was attacking. It was, um, it was a bull snake as well, um, which I, means nothing to me. But apparently, they're not sort of uh, venomous to humans. Um, apparently, like the um, well, yeah, but you know, so do um. No reason to no reason to harm something just because it wants to bite you, Sean. Um, it depends what it is. I'd be fucked if there was. But, uh, <laughs> Let's you threw Johnny off. God love him. No. Sorry, mate. But um, the uh, apparently I don't know how much this is here. So, um, the uh, the animal handler was um, there on site, and they just didn't tell him that they were going to chop it in half. <laughs> Yeah, like they, uh, like, and again, I don't know how much this is sort of uh, legend, sort of grown around around the film. And I rewound and couldn't hear anything, um, but apparently you can hear him sort of shouting and sobbing. You know, when they actually chop it, you can hear him in the background, and he had to be like sort of consoled because um, he just oh. thought he was supplying a, a little snake for a film. I've then, never heard that, but I will definitely go back and watch. Also, that. from the way I saw it as well, he. He looked like he chopped like the tail off the. I mean, it's like, yeah, it did look like that. So it's like it's not even as if they just like lopped its head off or something. They just like cut its its ass off. That's which is really cruel. Yeah, it's not very nice, is it? No. But again, they just they borrowed something. They borrowed the animal cruelty aspect from Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> um, so it's just added another string to its bow. Um, also, apparently, I heard Tom Savini fired that arrow that went very close to a girl in one of the opening scenes where they go to the camp, but I couldn't find any more information as to whether she was actually that close to it or I don't know, 
or maybe he was just very, very good at archery. Um, but those are just a couple of useless little tidbits I thought that I'd throw in um, after we've come back. Um, so, John, as you alluded to before, um, and it's something that I wanted to um, get onto. It's one of the main points of this film. When, right, so for those um, that weren't in the know uh, about horror films, and uh, especially slash films and these ones, um, the Friday the 13th franchise, if you're sitting down to watch it for the first time, you might expect to see uh, a certain character make more than a flashing appearance as an infant in the water. Um, Jason Voorhees mentioned once by name. Uh, you see him, you hear him in a flashback and, and then, then you see him in, in what I think without the sequels may well be a, a nice ambiguous ending, um, which was turned into a, a multi-part um, sexy softcore <laughs> stabbing marathon. Um, I've got Jason some things Boy. to say about that last scene. Can I? You can. So that version of Jason was supposed to be, it's a dream. That was supposed to be Alice's version of Jason in her head, in her dream. Yeah. It's what she's created. Um, it's a nightmare version of Jason. It was never intended to be the Jason. Um, it doesn't make any sense for it to be the Jason, though, because that's like a 10-year-old child. I mean, I mean that Jason. That's a 20-year-old one. I mean, that Jason's look. He was never supposed to look that way, which is something mm. they, they picked up in the sequels and kept hold of. I, th- I think in the, in the sequels, um, the, uh, the writer was um, a little bit annoyed that they were sort of going down this route with Jason because he was always intended to be a victim. Um, and, uh, you know, and the killer was Mrs. Voorhees and her psychosis surrounding the whole trauma that she went through and her, her revenge mission. Um, but it's it's very specialised, um, specific, if you like, in, in this franchise because it's not you get the killer from day dot and then it and then it carries on it's the first film is very much a thing of its own um and i quite like the sort of ambiguity at the end the first one like you mentioned i'm not, and then, not a huge fan of the end of the film what do you what would which way would you have it end or which way version if you take out all the sequels from part two onwards to he goes to the moon or whatever, um, yeah. which which one would you choose to believe or, or have sort of as the resounding natural end? I don't mind the second film. I, I actually really like the second film, to be honest with you. I think it was a good thing to bring Jason in and I've never seen anyone, any horror film do anything like that before where it's like it was his mom, but all along he was alive and he saw her get killed and now he's really pissed off and now he wants to kill you all. Um, I think that was a good thing because if you come back to Friday the 13th, who would be the killer? Who who would it be? Just make one of them. That's Like Psycho? Happen. That's never going to happen. Come on. Well, there's four of Psycho, five possibly. Yeah. Oh, that's not... If- if a there film is. with a half million pound budget makes sixty million dollars, you know, you know, there's going to be more. It's just, I, I want to know if it was planned. If they went, what Definitely do we do not. if we get sequels? Um, do we bring Jason back, or is it just what do we do now? Oh, we'll bring Jason back. 
I don't, I, I don't think it was planned. I think, I think they, they, the original writer was, um, they was replaced for the second one. I'm not even did Sean Cunningham direct the second. I have, uh, I have seen all the sequels. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I can't remember if it's for the same uh, directing staff and such, but I definitely don't think it was uh, an intended thing. I think they were, I imagine that they were shocked at just how much money it did make. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. And then obviously went on from there. I can't think that they could have made really much money after the first three. So remember the sort of whether the, the three original ones, well, say original, there was parts. Uh, part one, part two, and part three, and didn't that sort of draw around a sort of natural conclusion? Yeah, so I think it... They're the only three with Annie in them. Alice, done it again. No, Alice is only in the second one and for like 10 minutes. Um, and then the the uh, final girl changes in each each one until mm. you get a final boy. So anyway, um, he dies in the fourth, the fourth one, and then the fifth one is... A completely different killer, mm. um, and then he comes back, obviously, in the second one because people were very angry that he was killed off. So yeah, they were what? So they were angry that he was killed off in which one? In number two, four. I thought he died in the end of all of them, apart from the first one, obviously. No, so part part well part two you're probably led to believe that he's dead. Part three the same, um, and mm. then the part four the final chapter was supposed to be him dead, um, and then number five a new beginning is where it's a completely different killer, but he sort of models himself on the Jason killings, mm. um, and then six, Jason lives imaginatively is where he's brought back, and six is actually where it becomes a paranormal supernatural horror rather than a straightforward slasher when you say becomes a paranormal supernatural because surely it's it's before then it's known that he can't really die you know what i mean paranormal in the same way that michael myers became paranormal because he was shot and stabbed a hundred times and then nothing happened he just kept coming back but then i would not i mean i still wouldn't say that although all those things happened to Michael Myers and all those things happened to Jason, I still wouldn't class that as supernatural. I would just class that as lazy storytelling. And it's like, mm. this is what they want. But in Jason Lives, he actually becomes like a undead thing that is that is unkillable. Because don't forget, he did die. Which one does he go to space? Jason X. I actually like that film quite a bit. Although Jason Takes New York was... What, like number seven or something? Manhattan. Um, Just nice Manhattan. Number seven, yeah. No, eight. Because for me, they all sort of blend into one. Mm, I don't I, think I've I, seen Jason X. They all seem, seem to blend into one um, past a certain point. Yeah, I do get what you mean. There. Remember, I think I told you a few years ago, they opened up, you can go and sort of visit Camp Crystal Lake, which goes by a different name. Um, I think you can go out there and camp, and they do all these sorts of um, these sorts of excursions. Oh, that sounds amazing! Oh, yeah, I do remember you telling me that actually. And the um, I think I think Sean Cunningham and the um, and the writer, um, I think they were the only ones I think to actually stay in the in the campground during the uh, the filming, while everyone else sort of went off and stayed at um, 
stayed at a, a hotels and such. And I only took, uh, I think, 28 days, about a month, to uh, to do and conclude all the filming. God, I wouldn't do that, definitely. There's much scarier things at Boy Scout camps than... Wow, leave it. Jason Voorhees. <laughs> leave it. Especially Let in the modern go. day. John, what do you make of the whole, uh, you mentioned it before, franchise sort of being taken over by a look which doesn't even take place till the third film, does it? Because in the second one, he's sort of got that, the, the sack over his head with the with the one eye. Poking out, he doesn't even use the big machete. He doesn't get his mask till three. I... I don't, I, I don't, because I quite, I quite like the character of Jason. I think he's a very, very, he's an institution almost now. But I think, for me personally, I just don't like the way that him as a character overshadows just how good this first film is. I think this this first film need, needs a lot more pomp and ceremony almost as much as, as Jason does. But I can see why people have sided with him because you can't exactly get tattoos of this film on your arm and it won't look fucking cool on T-shirts and stuff. He, but it's, it's, it's to be quite honest, they've made a brilliant film. They can do whatever they want. If this is the way that they went to make more money and get some more money in the pocket, then they've earned the right to do that. don't know if it's what I would have done. Yeah, I probably would have, wouldn't I? Um, but I, I do love him. I, 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 he's one of the great horror horror legends up there with um, Freddy and pro- Sean probably isn't going to agree with this. Pinhead, for me, is another one. Um, I know people like proper horror aficionados who do the tattoo thing and they're three absolute front and centre mm-hmm. characters in each one. Um, and I think the they they saw that and they rolled with it and the rest is history. Um, I, I like the way that it's got this film in the, its kind of canon as well, as well as that. It's just, I just think that this film needs a bit more pomp. That's that, 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 that's it. I don't want Jason to be forgotten or shit him or anything like that. I think he's brilliant, but I think he overshadows this film a bit too much. I remember, that's, I remember, that's it. That's the only problem I've got. I remember watching it for the first time and, and waiting for Jason Voorhees and then sort of learning about, um, you know, the the actual his his part in the franchise and being disappointed that he wasn't there. Um, I think that's what what will happen. Should people go back and watch it from the start with with no illusions to what actually happens? Mm-hmm. I was watching an interview with that fella who plays Silent Bob. Everyone thinks can still make films. What's his name? Kevin Smith. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Smith. And he said that most people um, learned that Jason wasn't in the first film from that guy telling everyone in Scream. Yeah, uh, there's a Scream Two. Scream One. Scream One. When he tells him it wasn't that, it was it was this, and um, he said that's how everyone knows because they don't because they're of the generation now that think Friday the Thirteenth is all Jason and mm. no first film and if they'd gone back and watched it but who's gonna do that these days when you can just pretend that you know all about it and then get a it's, tattoo it's um, um it's 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 like you say it's it's weird because he's sort of he's not been there from the get-go but obviously he's still so famous and still such a mm. uh, pop culture icon uh, along with Freddie and um, Michael Myers. I feel like because we've done them all now, um, I can ask who's your favourite. 
I mean, I know Sean's oh. answer. No, I don't actually. I know, I, I, I know mine actually. I know. I, I don't even know if I do. If I know mine, can myself. we can we put a thing on Instagram out as well to say who's people's favorite three-way poll? Um, out of the three big hitters, because like I mentioned earlier, like the holy unholy trinity is is got to be, um, Jason, Michael, and, and Freddie. Oh, you're doing just some slasher films, yeah. I That's well, I would. One. Well, I, I would, yeah, and I would say from, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think no. these are the, like the three, yeah, kingpins of, of slasher films. Think indisputably, we've mentioned before, Candyman sort of name and, and imaging sort of doesn't seem to be at the forefront of yeah, people's I minds. I don't think any, I don't think anyone compares to those to these three like slasher films, though. Like, just slasher films. Mine is without any shadow of a doubt, Freddy. Kruger, I think he's fucking fantastic. Oh, I don't know. And you did you didn't choose that. you didn't go with Andrew Neal from um Switchblade <laughs> Romance. <laughs> I've been about Neal. that all week, you know, since you told since you said it. <laughs> and and in the process ruined the film for me. But, but it does oh, it does butcher an Audi it's driver. In my head so. now. It's in my head now. Andrew Neal. I <laughs> uh, Sean, obviously it's this is I don't know. I find this it's really got it's between Michael Myers and Freddie. I'm I, just want to point, I just want to point out for everyone listening to this. I've never seen Sean have such a distressed look on his face ever. <laughs> it's like someone's just asked him whether he wants to die one way or die another way. I can't. And he's, like, and he's going, uh, what about live? I can't make that decision because I love them all for different reasons. Jason's a victim. I don't really know why I like Freddie because he's a nonce. And I love Michael because you don't really know why he's done what he's done. Freddie was only a retcon nonce, though, wasn't he? He wasn't a nonce in the beginning, and he sort of changed it. So I think you can get away without him being a nonce. Killing a kid is still nonce. So I don't know is the answer. I just, I can't (laughs) hear. I'm sorry. It's like your favourite children. It's like the four lines. I've got me, um, what's it called? Me thinking face, is it? (laughs) This is me thinking face, brother. Um, Probably call that Confused face. Um, Confused face, brother Omar. Um... (laughs) So what you can't make a decision, we'll have to throw it out to um to Instagram. Um another another thing that's that's oh wait, I haven't said mine. No one asked me. I think it's Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. I think that I think the the jumpsuit. I think Freddie's too too camp. Like uh, he's a gardener. So really, you know, come on. <laughs> Quite highbrow of you there, sir. Uh Michael Myers, he just uh, had the constant uh Mike, Michael Myers just doesn't doesn't turn into a a car um, at any point during the franchise. So That's I think really I'm <laughs> leaning towards more towards him. Um, and Jason's pretty cool, but I don't know. I don't know. They're all, they're all like, I mean, they're all brilliant in their own way. Horrific in their own way. Um, I think I I've always liked that. The, uh, Freddie was. I, th- I think I've always just liked the, the jumpsuit with the pop-up collar. Like, uh, Uptown Girl or Eric Cantona. <laughs> um, another thing that was sort of coming to the end of um, with this series is um, Final Girls. Oh, yeah, and the leaderboard, <laughs> which oh, oh we, Final we, Puppies, as, um, <laughs> as Sean's just renamed it with that R there. Oh. We, yeah, because we're going to have to finish the leaderboard today. Yeah, I suppose, aren't we? Yeah, it's. Um, um, I'm. I'm just gonna say it's, it's like Nancy is. She's gonna be challenged there. You think? I think that's a big because... statement. <laughs> okay. Um, 
so Alice, she is the only one that makes it to the end of the film. She does. Uh, intact. She's a bit wimpy for me. And I know she fights back, but she's very, very dull. She is fighting a 50-year-old woman, although I'll be a 50-year-old woman who stapled people to the wall with arrows. <laughs> um, so... I mean, she does batter Mrs. Voorhees. Like, she, she shows her she, in and then she cuts, cuts her, head, her head, off. head off. Yeah. But she, like, lays into it. I've never... Like, she she does do it in quite a bit. Yeah. It's, it's more... I think this film <laughs> seems more brother. realistic than... What what the thing I had against Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street is because it's almost a bit comical the way she gets that book of booby traps and this that and the other, um, and that the obviously the whole thing the whole genre is is unrealistic. But I felt it, it's it was already had the leanings of a bit of camp filmmaking in that one, the first one, due to things like that. Whereas this is sort of a lot more natural. It feels. Like, it's just back to basics. It's someone trying to murder someone else and someone having to fight back with just the tools on hand. Mm. Um, it doesn't go into dreams. It doesn't do this, that, or the other. It's it's just a lot more raw and, you know, predator and prey. Um, although, having said that, it, yeah, it doesn't... I don't know. She does. She doesn't seem to do a lot until the very end of the film she sort of has one one scrap yeah she's not really the uh, she's just not the focus of the film is she but if you look at like nancy and 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 um laurie strode they they are they are the focus of the film she's not she's like very gray and beige and background to me whereas if you look at the sequel amy Steele, who pays ginny field who's the um the the final girl there is phenomenal like phenomenal um and in the sequel alice dies by the way the reason why i said nancy's crown is in is in danger is because she's kind of she she is this alice is nearly a a, a, a background character until she needs to step up and she does and she does a decent job she she vanquishes the foe and she she's she's pretty cool however nancy only just pips her because she's just boss all the way through it. If the they'd fight. have had it, yeah. I, I if they've had if they'd have had this Alice front and center for the whole thing, and kind of bigged her up a bit more, I don't think it would have had the same effect because you don't, you genuinely don't think the film's about her. I thought it was going to be about Kevin Bacon because Kevin Bacon's in it. So the, the, the actor who plays um, Alice, Adrian King, I just want to tell you a little bit about her life because she's had a, a bit of a horror film herself. And she got stalked, didn't she? Oh, my God. Like, horrendously. There were phone calls. He got into her apartment. But he'd managed to befriend her. So she was actually giving him information about what was going on with the stalker to the stalker. And it ended up with like a sort of a one-on-one scenario where she had like a gun to her head and everything. Um, and she's had to like talk this guy down and, and get out of that situation. And I think that's absolutely, absolutely horrific. Um, she wins. That, that was going on she for wins ages. Them. No, I can't because she's, that was, that was Adrian King. It wasn't, it wasn't Alice. 
Yeah, but it's a bit like Wes Craven's new nightmare. It's sort of it's bled onto, no. onto the fourth wall, and now Absolutely she's defeated. Absolutely not. I just don't want Nancy to win because of the teeth. But <laughs> that's awful. Do you think that like Alice gets the sort of the credit? Not so much credit as she deserves in this film, or, or we don't sort of focus in on her so much because um, maybe the amount of sort of campus there it all gets a bit diluted between them. I know we're going from them being butchered one by one, um, but Halloween sort of has I think three or four other people that also get butchered, but you're still with Laurie Strode the whole way through. Mm. It's just um, like you said there, it's interesting how you sort of Alice doesn't really come to life until the end which I don't think is a bad thing and I think if they did that now that probably wouldn't bother me but it's how it's done like there's nothing even about her like she's not really even her hair is very boring I looked her up she's still got the same hair now I just just noticed (laughs) she absolutely has so do you want me to give you a rundown of the final girl leaderboard as it is Yes. So in the travesty that it is, yeah. We have an honorable mention for Helen Lyle from Candyman. In sixth place is Alexia from Switchblade Romance or High Tension. Uh, five is Dewey Riley from Scream. Fourth yeah. is Dale Weathers from Scream. Third is Sydney Prescott, also from Scream. Second, Laurie Strode. And first is the Queen, Nancy Thompson, and Nightmare on Elm Street. So we need to place Alice, guys. And for me, I would say she's third. I would also say she's third because you look at Scream and they, or like, three of, it took, what, three of them to... Oh, do you know what, though? I think even Sydney Prescott's got more about her than Alice. Mm. I'm going to go with fourth. Oh. John, gonna, are you still with us? I'd place that fourth. I. So are you still saying third, Johnny? I, was, I say third, yeah. I don't know how yeah. you're going to aggregate that. We'll, do, we'll sort something out. I, I. This is actually quite tough. This is. Mm. I didn't think I was going to have to think about this. Um, because I, for, I forgot all about Laurie Strode. And then you just made a very good point about Sydney Prescott. So she's, I, I was going to put a second, and then you, I remembered that Laurie Strode exists. I even and think the weather's probably got more to it. No, let's not go too far and be well, silent. In, in fact, no, because Laurie Strode doesn't even kill him. She sort of fends him off. She just survives, doesn't she? Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put Alice second. Okay, so Johnny, your Alice is second. John, I, th- I think I'm going to take. Someone just tell me what to say. I can't. What a first, so we can get rid of Nancy. No, no. Um, because I think she, I, this is weird because I think she's. She's better than Laurie Strode, but not better than Sydney Prescott. So well, how does we can that work? change. We can move these about. Like it's not fixed until it's fixed. If you want to move Laurie under Sydney Prescott, that's fine. Yeah, I want Sydney third, and then I want Alice fourth. 
but she has to come before, like, in, uh, on top of Laurie Strode. Right, so where are you putting Laurie then? Because she's second at the moment. Fourth. You've just said Alice fourth. Sorry, I'm gone. I'll do so- Nancy's first. Um, who's second? Laurie. Alice second is second. Alice is second. second. Sydney and then Laurie. There you go. That's it. Oh, so you've outvoted me. I hate you. Um, but what does that mean for the overall table? I'm going to change it now. So second, we're going to say Alice. It was sort of all dropped on her at the last minute, and she had to deal with it. I think if you behead, but she, ste- the but villain, she stepped up though. She stepped up. She beheaded a villain. To be fair, like, though, all of the mates killed went all the one by one, and she didn't get onto it. He's dead angry. So, who are we saying? Sydney for third. Sydney no. for third. And then fourth is wow, this has changed. Yes, that's it. I feel better with this now. That might be because my painkillers have kicked in. No, um. Bing Crosby's son was in this film. Yeah, I did. He's very handsome. And then they, they didn't sort of realise and said if they'd have known that, they might have pushed the marketing a bit more. Um, and give him a better part, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, because Jamie Lee, isn't Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Curtis's daughter? Yeah, and that woman so, who I don't remember the name of. Wow. Janet Lee. <laughs> should have really, should have really remembered that. Yeah, yeah you really should have remembered that. Okay, are we ready for the update? So first place, Nancy Thompson. Yeah. Second is Alice, who doesn't even have a last name. Third Dundee, is Dundee one. Sydney she's like Madonna. <laughs> Sydney, oh, she's not. Sydney Prescott, actually she is, they're both vile. Third is Sydney Prescott. Fourth, Laurie Strode. Fifth, Gail yes. Weathers. Not happy about that. Sixth is Jerry Riley. And seventh nope. is Alexia. Yes, that but feels a the, lot better to me. But the real winner... Is um the one we give an honourable mention to? <laughs> the one whose name you can't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> I think Lyle. it was Helen. Yeah, Helen. Helen. I think it was Helen. Candyman woman. <laughs> Candyman woman. <laughs> oh God, love them. Okay, well that's our final leaderboard. I will post that on the day that this is due to go public. Oh. We got to have the world's most pointless vote now on this on this horror institution yes yes we do have we got to <laughs> talk amongst yourselves I think you know where this is going <laughs> there's a general consensus I sense in us mm. um, and I'm going to give my vote first Go on. I think despite being an amalgamation um, the the um, the sum in this case is sort of greater than its parts. Um, and no matter what they've done and borrowed from or, or paint all the reasons why it was made, um, it's still a, a very good film. In fact, I would say that it is probably, if you wanted to get into horror films, slasher films and such, this is probably the, the, the perfect base because it covers all the ground Um it's got a twist at the end, which works. Um, it's got all the tropes that you come to expect. Um, it's got a bit of mystery to it. 
Um, and it also, after that, uh, gives birth chronologically to um, a sort of anti-hero like you get um, in Nightmare on Elm Street, like you get in, in Halloween. Um, so I th think this is just, it really is a best of. Um, and then, like all of the great horror franchises, um, they slowly get worse and worse. So you can also indulge yourself in some nonsense slasher crap um, sort of uh, as the film has developed through the years. And, and also you can probably get them all in CEX for about 12p. Um, so I don't know what, I don't know what else you'd want. It's um, this one, um, 1980 version of Friday the 13th is Nightmare Cinema for me. Fair enough. John? Um, yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, and I'm going to reiterate what Mark, what I believe Mark Kermode or someone else I respect said, even though I can't remember who actually said it. But um, if, if you want to get into filmmaking, get a camera, get some of your mates, go into the woods and remake this or make your own version of this. There have, you go. Have any of you seen? Yes, the... I have. I was going to say that. What? I know what, what? you're going to say. Go on. Uh, never, never Hike Alone. Yeah, there's a sequel to that called Never Hike in the Snow. Um, but Never Hike Alone is a fan-made film that oh, they yeah. crowdfunded, and it is amazing. It's so fantastic. if you can check it out, you can get it for free online. It, it, it popped really up good. on YouTube, because that's where I, I watch this film. YouTube, YouTube has got, like, you can rent films now from YouTube for, like, yeah. three quid. So that's how I've watched the past two horror films that I haven't been able to source elsewhere. So... Just before, I mean, no, I can't cast my vote first. For me, this is absolutely. I haven't done it yet. It's, oh, it's, I thought you did. I'm oh, so sorry, John. It's, okay. No, I just said go and make this. This this is everything that like the amateur filmmaker should aspire to be. If even even if you don't like slasher films, if you can make a slasher film for a budget of pen, pen, pounds, just with your mates, and it works, it's like. Go and go and do it. Go and prove your worth. Contrary to popular belief, it's not a zombie film that you need to be making. It's a slasher film. So if you're listening, little people out there who want to be a filmmaker and you're wondering how, do not make a fucking zombie film because they're all shit. Make yeah. a slasher film because they're fucking great. It's, it's nightmare cinema agreed, all the way. All the way every day. Legendary. Legends are made of this stuff. We've done the votes. There's just one little thing. We've done the final girl leaderboard, but I want to place the films that we've looked at throughout Ooh. the slasher season. Um, so what have we looked at? We've looked at Scream. We looked at Candyman, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Switchblade Romance, Halloween, and Friday the 13th. Let's try and place these. Can so I place John, a guess at where Switchblade Romance is going to come in then? Bottom, absolutely. Oh, in fact, I'm going to write that in before we even start. <laughs> okay. Fucking assholes. Is this going to be dead complicated and drawn out? Should we do this at the time? No, um, let's do it quickly. Okay. So sixth place is, is Switchblade Romance, obviously. Because why would it not be? Why have you got to say obviously? Because Can't you just say it's in sixth place? Because it should. I fucking love that film. Fifth place, then. Oh, oh, God, this is tough. What were they? What were they again? Say them again. Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween, Candyman, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, and Switchblade. Hmm. That's hard. 
Ooh. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be cutthroat and put Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, that's okay. No, that's what I was thinking. This what about you, John? We put Switchblade Romance fifth as well. <laughs> what do you think? Do you agree with that? I don't think you're very funny, Prince um, of Darkness. I think I think I'd fuck off you. Um, I think I do. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's got to be. Okay, and then in fourth place for me would probably be. Uh, it's a toss up between Scream and Halloween for me. I would say Halloween. What about you, Johnny? Uh, it's between Halloween and something else. So probably Halloween is the, okay. the general the consensus. Three for me would probably be Friday. Yeah, I'll put that there. Mine would have been Candyman. Oh. What but it's two do? to one. It's two yeah, to one. Okay. Friday the 13th. You're wrong, but it's two to one. I would say two. Scream. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I would say Candyman. Oh. I would say Candyman for two because I can't have the three. Sorry, Johnny. It's all right. And number one is Scream. Wow, okay. So you think Scream is, I mean, I put it in second, is better than all of the films that it it sort of copies and was inspired by is what you want to hear and references mm-hmm. yeah i do i yeah. do i think it's an amazing film we said we said i said well one of us probably all of us said when we did the podcast for that it is a celebration of the slasher film and mm-hmm. and it is exactly that and, and it, it is feels right but, but it's it's also brilliant in its own right and it's even thinking about it now makes me happy. Mm. And I hate everything, most new things, even though so, it was 17 years ago. I know Johnny before said that this was the end of the slasher season. Oh. But was remember the, the two episodes ago, I said that I had a little bit of a surprise announcement. <laughs> Are you going to cut our throats? Yeah. Um, so before it. we move on to our next season, which we'll tell you a little bit more about in the next episode. We're going to have a seventh episode in the slasher season. Um, I don't think I'm going to tell the audience what it is at this stage. I think it should be a bit of a surprise. Give them a clue. Obviously, obviously I'll tell you guys. Um, The clue is it starts with an earthquake. Is it June? Was it what? No, it's a slasher film. Oh, okay. Starts with an earthquake. It starts with an earthquake. Okay, so that's all the clue I'm going to give you. Um, but yeah, tune in for our seventh and final episode in the slasher season. Stop Googling, John. I can't help it. Stop Googling. Um, I'm going to tell you when we close this anyway. Oh. I'm excited to hear what we're doing next week and what our new season is because it's all news to me. Um Oh, no, it's not. Sean's shaking it's his head. Definitely it's definitely not, not it's news not. to you, Johnny. It's news that I've forgotten about. It definitely is in, what you've in, forgotten about. In, in place of trivia about Friday the 13th. John is desperately Googling there, Googling there to see what horror films have an earthquake in them. He's such a loser. You'll never find it. I'm going to tell you in like well, literally two no, minutes. No, if I can get it before then, I will be 
hailed as a fucking king. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a wonderful Friday the 13th, even though this will go out like two weeks or a week after it. But, you know, for the next one that rolls around, have a good Friday the 13th. <laughs> think of Jason and Mrs. V. Mrs. That's V exactly sounds like a, like a like a Mrs. Vagina, like a high-end oh, prostitute. Wow, okay. <laughs> wow. Mrs. Viagra. Okay. Thank you for listening, everybody. John. Thank you. Good night. We love you all. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.